we ran up into one and it was like it was a good one there were scales from the bait everywhere oh, and the no fish way. were thrashing you know right off the bow wow. like 15 feet off the bow of the boat and uh, he gave it a good toss and then he looked back at me and just said yeah i'm on and i watched the the rod just bend over and he stayed on top of the fish and you know pulled on it as hard as we could for <laughs> with barbless gear for 40 minutes uh it was pretty wild it was pretty that's Scott Kennedy telling a bluefin tuna story, one of many from this well-rounded man of the water on this Ocean Life podcast with me, Josh Peterson. Every now and then, you meet someone who blows you away with their strength across multiple disciplines in the water. Scott Kennedy is one of those people. As a fisherman, surfer, diver, spearfisherman, boater, and more, Scott takes us through his life growing up in Southern California, migrating up north, learning his skills in the ocean the hard way, on his own, and finding great adventure and memories throughout. From hand-shaping surfboards to a love of body surfing, working in aquaculture, and sustainable seafood consulting, Scott gives us a unique and humble perspective on the ocean we all love. If you like what you hear today, take five minutes and visit fishwise.org or seafoodwatch.org and read a few things about your favorite tasty fish and educate on best purchasing practices for you and your family. Let's use our wallets to let seafood companies know how important sustainable fish populations are to us all. Thanks for caring about the ocean and thanks for being here today sharing in the ocean life of Scott Kennedy. So, dude, Scott, you just got back from San Diego, what, a week, 10 days ago, tuna fishing? Uh, yeah, two, three, two, three weeks ago, yeah, tuna fishing, epic season. How was it? Uh, it was great, it's great. Um, you know, we loaded up on really fun, schoolie-sized, you know, yellowfin tuna, 10 to 25, 30 pounds, and struck out looking for the bluefin, and, you know, as bluefin are, they've showed up again since we've been down there, yep. so the last week looks like it's been really good for guys, so... yeah. Um, yeah, we had a great trip. It was fun. Uh, fished the Pacific Dawn, yeah. one of my favorite boats. Which is um, pretty legendary, right? Yeah, um, out of Ventura Sport Fishing. They run out of San Diego in the summertime. A little smaller boat, but quick, uh, killer crew. Yeah. Holds a lot of bait. And uh, yeah, you got on the fish, and it was, it was super fun. We had a good crew of guys down, uh, seven of us. And, oh, uh, sweet. The first day was, the weather was a little funky, but two long drifts that were just wide open you know, really just yeah i mean what are you doing fly lining yeah fly lining or? uh sardines you know sardines. bait was pretty small and weak but um you know small number four hooks you know 15 20 pound line and and just you know as soon as your bait hit the water boom no someone hit it and dude all you know on top water you know a lot of skipjack tuna too yeah. um, to wade through but you know when the yellowfin come through it was just it was on, on. you know everyone's on you know both sides of you, really you know, up and down the boat, guys running up and over under each other. Yeah, it's awesome, dude. Yeah. Did you keep the skipjack and eat those guys? Or uh, I, go back? I don't, yeah. I don't. I like to Just toss those back. You can eat them. You know, they're uh, they're good day one, day two, yeah, day three, not so much. Right. Um, they're they're a really oily fish, but uh, if you, you know, bleed, spike, ice yeah. immediately, take really good care of them. They're they're great first yeah. day seared or. Right. Okay, or a sashimi fish, but yep. um, yeah, they don't they don't really keep well in the, in the freezer, probably so, uh, right. due to the oil content. As as good as like a, a you know properly cared for yellowfin, yeah, would so right, right. So, yeah, not target species. Yeah, you just they're bycatch. You let yeah, those ones yeah. go. <laughs> How about the food? Like the, the burgers on the boat. It's like a big thing, right? Uh, yeah, the uh, boat burger is yeah. a, is a big thing, definitely for me. <laughs> I love a I love a good cheeseburger. Uh, I did not have a burger on this trip i can't remember what the what the lunch was served but uh i definitely definitely have some fond charter boat burger memories yeah. uh you know sporadically throughout my life <laughs> uh, 
But uh, yeah, no burger this time. Food was a, a little hurting. I think the whoever was running the galley on the boat this time, she wasn't really uh, yeah uh, usually a galley person, and it was a, a little rough in there too. So you know, cooking in those conditions, oh, yeah, you got to yeah. give them props for trying. Give her a little credit there, a little for sure. give her a break. Yeah. For sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, great trip with uh, some good friends and. You know, pulled some fish out of it. You know, I had a, a yeah. two-day full limit of yellowfin, so I went to the processor, and and it was uh, it was a good time, even though no bluefin wanted to play. So yeah, yeah, that's sweet, man. But yeah. you had a shot at a bluefin earlier this year in the middle of uh, fishing for salmon. Yeah, we did. <laughs> um, you know, they they showed up kind of in early May and hung around here through probably early June. Guys were still seeing them. Yeah. And yeah, we were out there, a good friend of mine, and we were salmon fishing. It was really slow. And Buddy called me, and we were on the phone kind of griping about how slow it was. And, you know, he gave me his coordinates. And it was a pretty flat, calm, kind of gray day. And I could kind of, I was looking in his direction to see if I could see him amidst all the other boats. And while we were on the phone, we both saw this, you know, splashing you know, far off in the distance. And so I got off the phone with him and I put the binoculars up and, you know, we were talking about pulling the, pulling the salmon gear out of the water and maybe going home. And as I'm looking through the binoculars, I, I saw and it, it was a, there's a full, you know, tuna foamer of them, you know, busting on some bait on the surface a while, you know, pretty far off in the distance, but I, I saw a fish clean break the water you know, jump out yeah because you're well, like what is happening out yeah here? and i was thinking you know there's no there's no albacore around and yeah uh or at least you know no one had uh, there's no talk of that at all and I was, you know we had to go check this out so you know pulled the gear and kind of ran over in that direction and sure enough we got up on them and there was it was full on you know um small bluefin you know maybe um the probably i'd say like 20, 30, up to like maybe 75, 80 pounds yeah. from what it looked like. And um, we started running up on them and, and we we didn't have any gear for yeah. that. You know, yeah. we had salmon gear. We had we had barbless, you know, noodle salmon rods, you know. Yeah, 30, 25 pound Yeah, 30, 40 pound yeah. test on them and, you know, all barbless gear. I didn't have a gaff on the boat yet at that point in the season because I, I don't gaff salmon. And yeah. So, you know, salmon net and barbless stuff and noodle rods so it was kind of a kind of a rough situation to be in <laughs> and you know once we you know got over the initial shock that you know these were the fish that we thought they were and uh we decided to kind of like well why not let's let's give it a go and and they were really spooky you know we uh we were trying to kind of run and gun style on them so you see the the foamer fish pop up yeah. and it's almost like playing whack-a-mole yeah. in the water and you you, know, you try to run up on them in the boat and you know cut the motor as soon as you get in try to slide in slow before they they sink out and the first four or five tries we were able to get up in them and they would stay up and um my buddy put a uh barbless uh crocodile or a cast master spoon yeah. like a big uh, salmon spoon with a big barbless yeah. salmon j hook on it. and we started trying to throw that at them and we'd get a couple shots to toss it at them before they would sink out and Finally, I think on our, it might have been our sixth, fifth or sixth try, um, we ran up into one and it was like, it was a good one. There were scales from the bait everywhere. Oh, the no fish way. were thrashing, you know, right off the bow, wow. like 15 feet off the bow of the boat. And uh, he gave it a good toss and then he looked back at me and just said, yeah, I'm on. <laughs> and I watched the, the rod just bend over and, uh, you know, he stayed on top of the fish and, you know, pulled on it as hard as we could for, <laughs> with barbless gear for, 
40 minutes. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was pretty wild. It was, it was pretty surreal the down, whole time. Right? Yeah. It, the, the rod was, you know, bending through the real seat and it was a good sized fish. And, yeah. Um, I drove the skiff and just tried to stay right on top of it the whole time. I mean, it's really the only shot you yeah. have with the light line is keep the thing straight up and down. And, uh, he did a great job pulling on it. We, um, we actually got it to color a couple of times yeah, right next dude. to the boat, which was, which That's is pretty mean, surreal. I, I was, I looked back and I could, I could see the point. I could see my house, you know, we were yeah. the, where we were, uh, kind of in the middle of the Soquel hole. It was only about eight or you know, about nine miles yeah. as the crow flies from like where I live. And I look back and it's right. clear enough. And, and, and I look down and there's a, this beautiful tuna laid out. Uh, and you know, we, so we got to color a couple of times and I was starting to think about a, you know, a game plan for how we were going to deal with it. And, <laughs> You're like, yeah, no knife it, yeah, jump in, grab it. Like what are you going to Yeah, no gaff. Destroy the, you know, I, I ended up making a, a loop with the, uh, the stern line. And then I think the plan, the best plan that we had formulated was to try to get the front half of it in the salmon net and then maybe get a tail loop on. Cause other than that, there's, there's no it. way. Yeah. There's no way we were going to yeah. land it. The odds were against us. Eventually the hook, um, uh, pulled, you know, being barless yeah. and all, but the fact that we got to see it and it, it got to hang on for that long was, was pretty special. And there, you know, there were a few guys that, that landed, them. um, um, yeah. you know, after that day, you know, that day was early May. I think a couple other guys managed to hook them. Some of the commercial salmon guys got a couple. Yeah, yeah. Some people got them trolling plugs. I know yeah. uh, Todd from Bayside got a couple fish that I, I saw personally, and uh, I know of at least one fish that some guy got on a popper yeah. too, which was like, well, I was just dying to have like a, a surface iron rod Dude, or a popper rod with, with the me, right gear. So the rest of the season, salmon season, I uh, the long rod came with me on every trip, <laughs> just in Take, case. Yeah, taking up yeah. space in the rod rack on the <laughs> on the boat. And uh, never saw him again. I went out and looked uh, a couple of times yeah. specifically for him, but yep. um, it's just you know, it goes to show you never know what you'll see out there. Oh, I know. We went the next day because I was talking. I was at a volleyball tournament getting random texts like Dave Benet is like, hey, Scott and Joe are hooked up. It's tuna. And my buddy who was there, he's like from a different fishing boat. It's like, dude, they're seeing tuna. I'm like, no way. So where I was like, real time with you, via, like via Dave, right? Here's yeah. what's happening. Meanwhile, trying to set up with my other buddy to go out tomorrow morning. And we went out, chased him around, didn't see him. Tons of wildlife. It was crazy in the bay. I mean, it was insane. Orcas, whales. I mean, every albatross, you were like, whoa. Same thing. We're like about ready to pull it. Let's just throw lines down for salmon. Fine. Let's try to get a salmon and go home. Five minutes on the salmon gear with a spoon hooked up and the thing just went straight to the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> probably what it was. I yeah. Mean, oh, man, absolutely straight down. There were crazy, crazy marks. And, and the, the yeah, craziest thing too is, you know, as we were coming into the harbor that day, you know, like it was sort of like the bat signal had gone off. Oh, and yeah, like, Boats are coming out of the harbor mouth with like full racks of you know trolling gear. Like you know, I don't know how many people have that stuff up here, but uh, apparently enough that they're, whoever had yeah, it was going. Yeah, oh, and, you yeah. know, guys loading you know spear guns into into yeah, boats, and it was classic. it was full on. I, yeah. I love it. You know, it's just the excitement's buzzing. It's oh, yeah. like when there's a good swell or something. Everyone's yeah, just freaking out, just frothing on yeah. it. Yeah. So now, so that's a pretty epic thing. Now you've also like as of right now, as we we're talking before you came, like. I was thinking about this on the way home. You have this like really interesting like life, new chapter of life coming your way. One is, well, you just finished a chapter. You have this new chapter coming with you having a, a new baby. So congrats yeah, soon. Thank you. Yeah. But you also just got rid of a baby. Yeah, I your did. Your boat, Paloma, I did. who I you've did. had for a long time. Yeah, I had that boat for the last oh, three plus years now. Um, 
a little Radencraft 16 center console, uh, very near and dear to me. I just sold her on Saturday, actually. But yeah, a great, a great boat. My uh, my second boat uh, ever, but uh, just a a really killer little 16 foot skiff, super capable. Yeah, provided you know so much food and um, you know memories and adventure totally. for my family, for my friends, and yeah, really killer. I you know I I feel good about the sale. You know I think yeah. a lot of people. I think a lot of people when they sell a boat, there's this like sense of like amazing relief, which I don't right. really have. Maybe because no. tes- maybe testament yeah. to the boat itself, or, yeah. or uh, the you know, the guy I sold it to was a was a really cool guy too. Yeah. So um, going to a good home, yeah, going to a good home, uh, going to a guy who I know will, will use it for its yeah. intended purpose and and you know keep it going. So yeah. it's definitely a definitely a special boat and yeah. um, definitely you know really formative part of my yeah. my ocean life, I guess how, you would say. You <laughs> you know? call, man. Yeah. How did you feel when it was driving away and knowing like when it hit you cuz it was still in your yard even yeah. though it, you know you're selling it still it's there and you could and then all of a sudden it was driving away like you know like how did, did, did Yeah, you... it it kind of hit me, you know the the, you know, the guy drove from far away, so I knew he was really, you know, seriously interested in it. And, you know, we did the whole sea trial deal and, you know, pull it out and yeah. inspect it. And it was in, in back in front of my house where it normally is when it's not in the water. And, you know, we did the did the deal and, and uh, he was super stoked, which, you know, made me feel better about it. But, yeah, driving driving it away, you know, seeing it, you know, yeah. pull away is, uh, you know, yeah. he had a cargo van too, so kind of like mine, and <laughs> which is kind of odd. But, uh, you know, it just, it, it just looked like, you know, it was... Yeah. Uh, it was waving goodbye. It was, totally. it was sad, but uh, yeah. You know, at the same time, I, I'm you know optimistic that he'll have a lot of fun yeah. with it too. So yeah, yeah, for sure. It's interesting because I I was thinking about when I sold my boat. I was partners on a Parker, which is like my favorite boat. And when I sold it, like we had kind of the same kind of thing. More kids. I just needed like money, or you know, and there was those in the right time. So that but that rad chapter of my life having that came to an end. But when it was going, you think about it. It's like. There's not many material things you really form an attachment to. Sure. Like some people do, and that's cool. But like for people who are in the water, it's just, you just go. You, but like a boat, man, like there's a special kind of bond because it gets you through, like feeds you, yeah. takes you out to do insane things, keeps you safe at times, gets you through gnarly stuff. I mean, it's just like, yeah, it's rad how the memories you can get from a boat. Yeah, yeah, you know, I was I was thinking about it too. It was like as I was, you know, writing up all the stats on the boat and like looking at the engine hours and like, man, I had that thing for like three years and I spent like, I was like, what, like over six hundred hours on it, with the motor yeah. running. You know, you're that's like, just the time on it with the like, motor running. I'm like, yeah, I spent a lot. Of, I spent a lot of time on that thing, and you know, my my wife's been super patient letting me do that for sure. Um, but it's been it, it's been so fun, and, and I think the biggest thing is the the teaching aspect too, right? Like the, I, I learned by doing and, and, Probably. um, it's been, I've learned a lot, yeah. you know, I've learned a lot that between that boat and I had a little 15 foot, um, Hobie power skiff before that. Yeah. The old, you know, two stroke, cool. <laughs> two smoke motor on yeah. it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, between those two, it just, it really kind of set the hook in me for yeah, having man. boats, which is a problem, you know, That's for in some problem. ways, it's a huge problem. I, oh yeah. Cause yeah. you can blow countless hours on Craigslist. <laughs> Just looking at yeah, boats, even yeah, if you're not even in the market, yeah, yeah. don't even start looking because you know it's yeah, like I suddenly you're like in Seattle, Tacoma, Craigslist Center Console search land. And yeah, you're like, Whoa, what's the, this? The gears start turning. You're like, oh, I could rebuild that, yeah. and do this, and repower that, like, and you know, like yeah, dude. you know, what's an extra 30, 40 grand? You know, yeah. right by the end of it, and it's nothing. You could talk, then you try to talk your buddy into it, and it's all bad. Oh so, yeah, yeah, no, it goes it does sell fast, but but I, but you you made incredible use of that thing, and, and I really want to call it out because. Wow, and folks listening, it's like, yeah, it's a 16-foot center console. That's cool. But, like, the stuff you used to do on it 
was insane. I mean, and I wasn't around a lot to see that, but this June when we went down to Santa Cruz Island, we had a crew. It was six of us on this 35 foot catamaran sailboat. And then you and Joe pulled up on your boat and this boat now, I mean, for folks listening, like Scott's a big dude, Joe's a big dude. Like, I'm, you know, like big burly men. You rolled up on that thing. I remember one morning we're sitting there rods everywhere. You must've had 10 rods. I'm guessing something like that. Something yeah. close. Something like that. You have a couple surfboards. You have a fish bag, you have food on there somewhere, you have some way to stay warm and sleep, you have dive gear spear guns, and this is like two dudes and all this stuff on a 16-foot skiff, but you guys had it totally dialed. You know, it was pretty awesome, man. Talk about that setup. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, Joe's Joe's a a really good friend of mine, and I think both of us probably spent way too much time thinking about (laughs) those kind of things. So I I, I guess you could kind of say we're, we're in our element planning a trip like that. For sure. Uh, yeah, we were we were loaded down. I mean, we planned up. We were out there about three days. Yeah, and, dude. Uh, you know, I, I we'd done it before, um, so there was some improvement over the last time. I'd say, um, you know, it's not comfortable on a boat like that. No <laughs> yeah, matter what way you look at it, you know. Yeah, I mean, you go. You, you start talking about you know Cuddy Cabin or the small pilot yeah. houseboat like that. Uh, sure, you know, it's totally doable, but um, it's a little more rugged. You know, we're talking tarps Damn. over the console and sleeping in the front, and it's you know, it's not, it's not great, but. But just the chance to be out there is awesome. Yeah. But yeah, we were loaded down and, you know, we, um, leaving the harbor, you know, we had to do kind of like a little dance to get the boat up on plane. Uh, I think we had, we had over 60 gallons of fuel with us and yeah, between right. all the extra, yeah, fuel, extra fuel canisters, <laughs> like a Mexican drug ponga or yeah. something, you know, to get us out there and then dumping more fuel in as we go to sort of redistribute the weight on the boat. But, you know, it, it all worked out great. And it's just so testament rad. to that whole design that, yeah. you know, it's, it, that's what it was designed to do. It's designed to go out to those islands with a ton of weight on there and then come back and, and have you do it safely. And, you know, the, yeah. the 16 just happened to be the smallest of those designs right. that they ever made. But, um, yeah, it's totally doable. Space is at a premium. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if you, if you plan how you store stuff, it, it all works out. Yeah. So, Dude, yeah. that was rad though. I, I admire you guys for doing that. Cause I've spent just time on a Parker out there and you start to feel like, Oh, I don't have enough room. And there's a wheelhouse and it's warm. And uh, it's like the four and seasons. Yeah, it is. Dude, I saw you guys. I'm like, dude, what was I ever complaining about? You yeah. Know? Yeah. The food, like we went pretty rugged on the food this time, you know, it was like, uh, you know, we ate some, some stuff that was foraged or, or fished obviously, but yeah. we're, you know, we're also like boiling hot dogs in the jet boil right. and like eating like crackers and chips and stuff <laughs> like, uh, nature Valley, uh, granola That's bars right. is kind of my boating go-to from get the Costco box yeah. and you're going to go. So. Who cares if they crumble? You just yeah. pour them in your mouth. Yeah. Some bubble waters <laughs> yeah. and jugs of water in the front and that's it. <laughs> Coffee. <laughs> gotta yeah. have the coffee but it was rad you guys like we were able to like hang out and you guys scouted around and then we dove together you know and then fished and then had dinners and stuff that was that was a pretty sick trip yeah it was, that was super fun anytime we get out there it's special and anytime you get a good weather window so the, you know the crossing's mellow it's uh it's super super good part of california yeah it's, it's kind of the fringe oh, the God. western you know the, 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 the western edge there yeah it's awesome yeah so we're talking about like already like just spending so much time on boats and doing stuff and fishing and everything. And as mentioned, you know, when you go somewhere, you're loaded up with more than that. You spear guns, you know, fish, surfboards, et cetera. So the way I look at that is like, uh, I mean, just a super well-rounded set of activities in the water, which resonates with me because that's, I have the same kind of affliction, which is I just want to do it all <laughs> in the water, which is rad because you get to do it all. But it's tough at times because it costs a lot and sometimes you don't know what you should do. Is it surf? Is there fish? I'm not sure. You just kind of get paralyzed. 
But to get to that point, like, just maybe rewind, like, you, you grew up in Southern California in a pretty, like, kind of a water-focused area of La Jolla. So take us through just those days and how you started just adopting all these different things you're doing now. Sure, yeah. The analysis paralysis is definitely real. I can I can resonate with that. And my wife would be emphatically nodding her head if she was, <laughs> if she was here. And if she hears this later, yeah, she'll definitely probably get a kick out of that. But yeah, you know, formatively, uh, I grew up in, I was born and raised in La Jolla, California, um, you know, suburb of San Diego, for those who don't know, kind of central coastal San Diego. I was not from an ocean family. So a lot of that a lot of my, you know, early ocean experiences were, you know, my parents were supportive, but I, I didn't have like a dad. I didn't yeah. have a dad who surfed. Uh, my dad wasn't in Wind and Sea Surf Club. I didn't have, um, you know, someone to like really kind of show me the ropes like that. So a lot of it was like, you know, get a boogie board and then, you know, get a surfboard for Christmas when you're seven and do like a YMCA surf camp kind of thing and yeah, cool. kind of go from there. And uh, the same thing with fishing too, you know, I think some of my early fish experiences my, my grandpa actually fished you know uh, often but not i wouldn't call him like hardcore mm -hmm. but uh he'd take me out on the party boats when i was like five six years old oh sweet um, that's magical uh, when yeah you're a kid, out of seaforth and out of like oh, yeah. uh, point almost more fishing and stuff and just like overnight trips but not like your little half day like rock pod trip yeah. it was like a you know overnights and stuff i remember you know getting super seasick and like puking yeah. in the bunk room and yeah um you know <laughs> and then mess. yeah coming back i remember one time like still being all wobbly getting off the boat and like throwing up in his car on the way home and stuff but um that definitely like you know it was really formative for me uh and and as you know in later years as i you know started to kind of you know, foray into like surf fishing and then also into like diving at a young you know i started yeah. free diving around 14 or so um it, it really it, growing up there was it was really special and formative and did you have a crew like other guys your uh, age or no, yeah it's kind of like around? lone wolf guy yeah. you know like i had um i had a really good friend in high school growing up and we kind of got into diving together and yeah. that was you know early it was like late 90s early 2000s mm -hmm. so it's like really pre like internet yeah. forum like Instagram spear fisherman yeah. guy, you know, you got all the gear kitted out already. It was like, you know, I'm like shooting like zebra perch yeah. with a, or with an orange pole spear totally. and taking him home and eating him, right? <laughs> um, learning that, learning the ropes and, you know, meeting a couple guys, um, the, the former owner, James Joseph, uh, you know, dive and kite in San Diego kind of showed us some stuff yeah. and like, whoa, like blue water spearfishing and, you know, this is how you rig your gun as like a breakaway, like all that oh, kind of stuff yeah. that we take for granted. Now you can just kind of type yeah. it into YouTube, YouTube or whatever. It, yeah. yeah, it was all, it was all a yeah. little like harder, harder fought and a lot of diving through experience. So, right. you know, I, I feel really fortunate to have grown up there before the, the Marine protected area thing happened down there where we lost a lot of our good right. diving grounds and like over, you know, I'd say a solid 60% of the coastline that yeah. used to be divable right. was really productive, was, was shut down to all recreational and commercial right. fishing. Right. So that was, that was a big deal. And, um, you know, growing up though, I could just go out and you know, grab a limited lobster when they're in season, you know, and you, really? you had the option, you know, shore dive, there's yellowtail, there's, you know, a big, you know, calico bass, yeah. you know, sea bass, if you want to put the time in for that thing yep. there. And those opportunities are still there, but it, it's not the same. Right. And at the same time, you know, surfing too. Um, yeah. La Jolla is kind of this promontory and you know a lot of swell exposure from different angles and uh, a lot of you know really legendary surf breaks there oh, yeah. too so um again i kind of lone wolf that too i didn't have yeah. uh, i didn't have uh like solid mentorship when mm -hmm. i was younger but it was a lot of you know learning how to body surf and and learning how to to bodyboard and then you know i was like you know what i gotta get you know i surfed when i was a little kid and then 
kind of kind of went the body surf uh, and bodyboard route till I was about like 14, 15. Yeah. And then it was like surfing full on. And yeah, just kind of going at it myself. You know, my school didn't have a surf team. Yeah. Um, like I said, I wasn't part of the, the surf club, but, uh, you know, sort of absorbing by osmosis all, all the, the, you know, from the characters and yeah. uh, people surfing La Jolla Reefs and, and Blacks and Scripps. And so, you know, so many, so many spots around there and starting, you know, once I got a car kind of going, you know, for the South County, San Diego, yeah. know, North County into Mexico a little bit. So, um, so you just got, I mean, you're kind of naturally inclined to just love being in the water. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, it's, you know, just, every day pretty much, right? Yeah. It was either it was either the skateboard or the water for yeah, a while, totally. you know, and then the water eventually started started to <laughs> win. Over. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I love the old stories of of La Jolla as like kind of the the mecca of spearfishing and freediving, like in the. 40s 40s 50s yeah, yeah. carlos isles you read his book not that book but you know the La bottom scratchers yeah. club the dive Dude, clubs back then so guys rad. shooting big black sea bass right and, there just yeah. right there like yeah. they didn't even know it was like you know 30 feet was like this crazy depth and then yeah. all of a sudden they saw the grouper like all kinds of stuff you yeah know? i'm not grouper but like black sea bass yeah and big stuff, black and, like, sea bass and... i mean so I just love those old stories, and that was right there. Yeah, a lot of it's the geography right there of, of La Jolla Cove and the La Jolla Underwater Canyon, and, and you know the there the kelp is is really um, beaten back right now. It's pretty yeah. barren, uh, where there used to be this really lush kelp forest that you know dr- went out to about eighty feet, and then it would just drop off into the canyon. So you get all these pelagic fish cruising through there, and um, a lot of bait, and just a really a really rich marine environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, man, I. I it's just so rad down there. And I mean, I being here in Santa Cruz, I get a little jealous at times when you hear of guys, you know, shooting yellowtail like on the kelp beds or sneaking out for a sea bass right there. And I mean, we have sea bass here too, but you're not, it's hard to shoot them because, <laughs> you know, some of our friends can. I can't, I can't seem to ever even see one, but <laughs> yeah, can. it's, it's different. It's different strokes up here for sure. Uh, I definitely, you know, sometimes you know, you get like the FOMO going on late season, summer, especially, you know, fishing super hot down there, tuna, you know, yeah. whatever, surface iron, yellowtail, all, all the things that, you know, uh, or, you know, patty hopping and diving, blue water yeah. diving, all the stuff that, you know, gets our, our blood flowing. But up here is awesome too, in, in different ways. And, and that's, it really forced me to focus on hook and line fishing yeah, and, really and kind of honing those skills and, yeah. and learning all those different disciplines yeah. to, you know, the best of my ability. Yeah, I know. No, <laughs> so. that's, that's true. That's very true, man. So then d- during all that, like you're also, you did some like junior lifeguards, all this stuff. Yeah. So just another yeah. reason to just be in the water. You did that for a number of years. Yeah. Well. When I was a kid, um, you know, like I said, my parents, my, my dad couldn't even swim actually, yeah. which is, which is pretty, yeah. pretty interesting. I mean, he grew up a super poor New York city, yeah. you know, swimming wasn't really high on the priority yeah. list. Like, um, how would you even need to yeah, swim? For yeah. like 1940s, <laughs> poor people in New York, but yeah, yeah junior guards program. Uh, was was pretty formative. Uh, I, I did Mission Beach Junior Guards, mm-hmm. and you know it was a lot of a lot of soft sand beach running and you know, relays, beach flags, and and stuff like that. And I you know did that probably till I was about thirteen or so. Yeah. I remember being stoked because that was the age they let you jump off the Ocean Beach Pier. Oh, yeah. Um, so that was like yeah. oh, all year at the end they'll let us jump off the pier, and it was pretty awesome. So definitely something that I want to get my kids into here, um, yeah. especially, you know, we have a smaller yeah. town, smaller community, and, mm-hmm. and there's a really strong, uh, like peer group I, I see from, you know, all you guys with the older kids yeah. that yeah. have come out of that. And it's something that I really, 
really want to, you know, and friends of mine that have taught for the program, like Tyler and, you know, it's, uh, I I definitely want my kids involved. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) And it's like free daycare, right? Dude, it's like the best thing there is. They're not free, but not free. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it is. It's insane. And they're tired when they get home. It's like, yeah, they're tired and hungry and sandy and like they want to go back the next day. I mean, yo, but, uh. No, that's cool. So you mentioned body surfing as well, which is still something like what you mentioned here and you gave me a nice little rundown of, of your past of kind of, there you had this period of time when you just kind of, it's all you did, had the body surfing blinders on for a bit. Yeah, yeah. There's, so yeah, going back to, to La Jolla a bit, we actually, there, there are, there is, there are a couple of ways actually um, that are body surfing only. So yeah. they're, they're flagged. You know, 24-7, 365, no flotation devices, no hand planes, no boogie boards, nothing. It's rad. Um, not even really short breaky waves, but like reef, like proper yeah. reef breaks that will hold size in the winter too. And later, kind of in my high school life, you know, surfing, you know, started take over more. Um, it was a nice you know, counterpart to that, whereas these waves like weren't really crowded. Um, there's, you know, smaller crew, um, older guys, usually, you know, lifeguards yeah. from the area. Uh, and I just started to kind of, it really just, kind of took you know, I took to it it was, it was fun right. um you're out there and you know it could be a pumping day and there's like four dudes out, right you and know it's and mellow. still yeah. it's mellow but you know there's still you still got to play by the rules yeah. and the lineup and stuff but yeah just just learning that because I'd always whomped and stuff as a kid you know right. short break and um actually like learning about you know movement and you know getting barreled and like being able to do things spinners and yeah. like, catch like long waves and you know underwater takeoffs and all that stuff like yeah. just sort of started to happen and uh, it's really you know stuck with me. Like if I'm if I'm down there now and I want to grab a surfer, I'm you know I'm visiting. You know um, I still have a few family members down there for the mm-hmm. holidays. Like okay, it's like Thanksgiving morning. Do I want to go surf blocks with yeah. hundred dudes right. or do I want to go out and like catch twenty waves in an hour, having fun, have right? like a couple yeah. of pleasant chats with some <laughs> right. cool like pretty legendary old dudes. <laughs> totally. You know, get barreled a few times uh, maybe, and then and then go home and eat, and then yeah. be done with it. It's like I'd choose that every, every anytime, you know. Hundred um, percent. So yeah, I, I've done that a lot, and then you know coming up here to Santa Cruz, we also have like such a, a diverse array of, yeah. of waves and setups, and um, you know that are awesome for surfing, but also you know body surfing too. You got so many little sneaky you know, wedges and you know short rake spots around town that are, are yep. super fun and you got some of those guys that are you know body surfing middle peak and stuff like that yeah. too so yeah. not that i've done that or, or really yeah. want to but yeah. um done a couple of the body surfing association contests cool. up at lagunas which are always yeah. a good time and yeah. it's just a fun vibe it's like totally there's just like a bunch of nerds swimming Dude. around you know having a good time and, so true and, yeah i love it we yeah. my son and i went and did the one recently right there were there and waves it was kind of it looked no. like yeah I, like i was a second heat at like 8 and eight fifteen. And it was still glassy and a couple wedges. Like, I mean, you will probably wouldn't even have gone out if you're just going to go have fun. Right, right. But it was like actually kind of fun. And then all of a sudden a little chunder from the wind. And then it just went to like two foot wind slop. <laughs> it was a bummer. But it is. It's like it's like the it's like prone paddling kind of crowd. Right. Nobody cares who's best or not. You yeah. know, it's just all fun. Like it's just fringe sport. Yeah. You know, it's a great vibe. You know, it's so mellow. And even when I'm out body surfing at Its or Lagunas or like 26, it's always like, hey, what's up? How's it going? Yeah. You, you know, know, you know, it, no one's ever like no one's ever super bummed on you. You know, yeah. it, I mean. If the waves are good and, you know, there's a bunch of people, obviously, you know, yeah. the same, the same, um, the scarcity, you know. That's right. The like, scar- resource e- scarcity. Yeah, resource <laughs> scarcity, those yeah. same, like, interpersonal <laughs> dynamics occur. But uh, 
Yeah, no, it's it's such a it's such a good time, and it's just like one of you know many ways to yeah. enjoy a wave in the ocean, and you know just adult play basically. Yeah, I know. You know, I rediscovered the hand plane this year. I had a guy on the podcast who does hush handboards, and they're like um, like carbon fiber. And I, you know, the last one I had was like some modified Burger King tray with a hand, you know, yeah. cut around it, you know, and which sucks. And so I got this thing, and it's so rad. It just extends your ride like super heavily. I'm not no pro, but like more flatter waves. Like you're up and you could ride these things. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just a whole different kind of fun world. You know, just fun geeking around when there's you know. Yeah. I like the purity of the Taco Bell trail. So yeah, I don't oh, yeah. I don't often use like a planing device when I'm body surfing, but like if I'm gonna pick one, say the, the old school. Yeah, the old school. The some tray, spray paint on it. The tray is the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the tray is the way. <laughs> now I think I was thinking today. I think the first time we ever met was on the beach at Cal's yeah. and we went sub-squatching. We did go sub-squatching, that was fun. Yeah, I, I remember I came down, uh, I think you guys had a, uh, it was some fun, Ghost Riders fundraiser thing, but yeah, I met it's you a and you had- 24-hour paddle. Yeah, yeah. and you, you had that you had that sub-squash down there and I, I'm not, I'm like pretty anti-sub in general. Uh, I gotta put that out there. I mean, unless it's like for you know transit or flat water or diving or something, but like yeah, the yeah. subs and the surf, not really my thing, but um, that thing looked super fun, <laughs> I gotta say. And so my curiosity instantly peaked and you kind of had this like devilish grin like let's go take four of us out there and go get a wave and indicator on this thing i was like hell yeah i want to do that so that was really fun i remember we you know you and and nick and dave and i all got on it and and yeah we got some we got (laughs) some some super long waves i think we ran over a couple people you know sorry (laughs) yeah sorry richard schmidt or whoever that was we ran over but uh that was super fun there's so like really if you think about a few things that four grown men can do together in the ocean oh yeah and giggle like little kids i mean it's it's people looking like they kind of diss it a little bit like some of even friends of mine are like too like kind of like shaking their heads why do you yeah. have that but everybody who gets on it and rides it i don't care if it's a two-foot wave yeah it's got the biggest smile like you're a total little grom and it's the raddest funnest thing like four uh, big dudes like 900 was... pounds of us you know <laughs> yeah. coming down the line on this like control. stupid inflatable raft Dude, it's pretty awesome it's so fun yeah. it's so fun yeah no, that was rad man so then like kind of transitioning into surfing a little bit off of that that one okay I mean, yeah. so you know you grew up doing everything and then surfing and you've also mentioned i mean you've done some surf trips you've been in the maldives recently you've done some tweaking on some board experiments making your own boards and stuff i mean talk about where all that's at yeah well there's a lot to unpack there uh surf wise you know it always been a really important part of my life and then you know when i moved here in was it 2003 um and been here ever since and you know such a, a rich culture in and you're not only surfing but surf design and and yeah. uh shaping here in town and i started uh messing around with some you know board shaping and back in college this is probably what 2006 2007 maybe i shaped my first board uh, with a friend of mine who had, who had been doing it, and he was kind of a pretty stony dude. Um, Tony Zhu, he still shapes, um, still surfs, a real good surfer. Um, you know, does all makes his own fins, everything, you know, start Don't to finish. Fall. And he had this little shed over here on the west side, on uh, it was on Rankin uh, over by Safeway. And uh, shape the first board I shaped was this super trippy, like you know, down rail seventies, uh, you know, single fin pintail thing. Yeah, and it sucked. Right. Um, it, it, <laughs> it didn't even look that cool. It was, it, it, but it was surfable. And I made this fin for it, and I glassed and sanded the whole thing by hand. And no power tools were using no, the whole thing cool. at all, which you know gives you. I mean, 
it's not only gratifying from a you know a shape and ride thing perspective which is something that really resonates with me but um it makes you appreciate like what a production yeah. shaper can Steve. do like their skill set and like that those guys should be paid way more than they fully, are fully, and that we shouldn't yeah. have import boards from china and all yeah, that. that's a whole other right. thing i won't get into here <laughs> yet but uh um, yeah, so I started I started shaping some boards and, and glassing some boards, um, and a lot of that was driven out of wanting you know something else. Like I, I had my you know standard thruster, you know whatever, and, and a step up, and uh, I always had fishes. You know from growing up in, in San Diego, that that influence was always there. But um, like wanted to make some weird stuff and ride yeah. it, or like I you know it was, or you know, being a bigger dude too, you can't really go into the shop and get a board yeah. off the rack that works for you. So I was like, I kind of want to make some stuff, and you know right around that time was when the you know Mini Simmons resurgence was happening yeah. and you know the fish was becoming more mainstream you know outside of you know regional little pockets so that sort of drove a lot of experimentation and and so I started making some boards and and then I started you know was introduced to some people uh you know, Mark Brown from Paradise Glassing down in Watsonville and I started um using the extra room down there uh and it was getting guidance some uh one of my friends was a uh, production shaper at, at Pearson Arrow for a long time and it's kind of started showing me some things and I would try some things and, you know, make some pretty nice. ugly boards. But, yeah. And I made a few boards like early on that really worked and that I surfed for a long time. Hmm. And so it sort of like really got the gears turning. Yeah, and, that's cool. You know, now flash forward. Oh, I've been doing it for, you know, you know 13 plus years yeah, now cool. and uh, probably made, I haven't made that many boards, maybe like 60, yeah. somewhere around there. Wow. I lost count. But uh, mostly for myself, yep. some some friends I've tricked into getting a few yeah. here and there. <laughs> this people, will work really good for you. <laughs> yeah, people people uh, people ask me from time to time. I definitely have some friends I've made a few boards for, and um, some of them sucked. So sorry, guys, but uh, some of them <laughs> some of them they were stoked on, and that was yeah. also super gratifying to like see a friend yeah. who I surf with all the time, and I like know how they surf, and I'm like, hey, I think you'd really like this, like, because I really like this, and it's kind of weird, and you should yeah. try it, and they're stoked on it. It's like you know, That's I got cool. a good friend of mine, Eric Oberg. You know, he grew up in San Diego too, and a different little you know underground pocket yep. of, you know, board design and really knowledgeable and appreciative of that. And, um, he's had a, a number of my boards and he, That's he shreds rad. on them and, and I love seeing that. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm still, you know, most of the time, like when it's time to get a new board or want a new board, I just, you know, I you know, call up juice box, a good friend of mine and be like, yeah. Hey, you know, can I piggyback on your blank order? And then a blank comes in and right. I'll get it and I'll think about it for a while and I'll go down to Watsonville, you know, after hours and mow something out sometimes right. by myself, sometimes with, with a friend and, uh, and then, you know, the boys down there will glass it. So it's all Sweet, man. American surfer, yeah. surfer local. labor. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent local. <laughs> Made in USA. Yeah. Yeah. Everything, everything. I don't know. I don't know about this fin boxes futures. I don't know if they're, yeah. if they glass, <laughs> if they uh, mold those and they, you know, they might actually, they yeah. might. So Dude, we'll um, pretend they do for yeah, this, this conversation. For sure. <laughs> but yeah, my surfing, like I'm definitely a, a jack of all trades, master of none guy yeah. with everything in the ocean. Surfing is no different. So, you know, I'm pretty open to all crafts. I, you know, I got everything from, you know, little fishes and, uh, you know, hulls and small wave gear and, you know, standard short boards and some step ups. Uh, I've got a gun that I don't surf matters yeah. with. Right. <laughs> um, uh, good. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know about that. Yeah. No, not, not too much interest uh, there, but big uh, middle peaks good enough for me. Yeah. So. Yeah. In, in town when it's, when it's kind of doing it, it's fun to mess around. And, and then, yeah, lo, you know, longboarding, I didn't longboard as a kid. Like, when I was a kid in the, you know, oh, yeah. late nineties, like longboarding was still like super lame. Yeah. So yep. I, I didn't own a longboard until I came up here actually. And then, so I've been, had fun kind of trying to figure that out uh, yeah, yeah. a bit. So yeah. yeah, everything, surf mats, you know, the whole deal. good pair of swim fins it's you got to have it all and it's uh i, I really I, I appreciate people that do that 
um, you know, surf wise around here yeah. that, that you, there's, you know, there's guys that rip on shortboards in town. We all know who they are. You know, there's, there's guys that rip on longboards, but then you got guys that can, can do it all yeah. and they do it all really well and kind of on their own program. And it, that's, that's, that's really cool to see. Yeah. 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 No, it's cool. It's interesting to see like, and to each his own, it's all good, as you mentioned, but it is interesting to see people who they want to get this, basically they have their board, yep. the dimensions, and they get that again and again, because they know it really well. That's great. They know exactly what they're going to sure. get at that thing. Cool. There's guys who, whether it's large or small, and then other guys who are just like are always experimenting, always something new, whether it's a sure. piece of crap in somebody's yard with like dirt on it, they scrape off and they can't wait to ride that thing just to see if they can or what it's like, you know, like, yeah. and, and everything in between. And I've, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. And I love that too. I love like whatever it is. And I don't, I used to be real, kind of self-conscious about that because I'm like, gosh, I should just shortboard more because it's, when it's pumping, I really want to do that, but I kind of suck because I haven't, don't do it because I'm doing all this other weird fish or a longboard or just soft top for eight months with my kids you know but then i realized now it's like i just love trying i'm over that now and just like pull something out like you know what? i don't even think this like quad kill fin thing is going to work right here but i'm going to find out yeah you know like just randomly cool yeah a lot that of that's like being stuck you know some people are stuck in that paradigm of like i have to rip and i have to like give my best performance every time and some of the most fun i've ever had surfing is on like a you know chest high like lined up wave just going straight and not even thinking about yeah. turning and just going as fast as you possibly can like that's awesome and i've spent you know countless hours and and dollars and you know yeah. time in the shaping room trying to make a board that goes straight <laughs> at one particular wave really fast and, right. and that's that's awesome like I, yeah. I'm, I'm into that because like full disclosure no one's ever going to like pay me money to surf right. or even yeah. want to watch me right. surf right you know <laughs> so, so it's like to it's, do that yeah exactly want. I'm like well I'm, I don't care what it looks like like if it feels yeah. cool to me I'm all about that yeah, you know man. so yeah <laughs> but you've done some surf travel too like sure. recently yeah. what'd you do this year um this year my wife and I went to the Maldives uh, which was cool. We'd been uh, talking about that as an yeah. option for a while. And you know, she doesn't really surf, but uh, her boxes she needs to tick for travel are usually uh, related to, you know, is it warm? Yeah. Uh, can we snorkel and see some cool stuff and maybe go diving? And she couldn't this year because she's pregnant, right? But um, yeah, she's super adventurous. Like in that regard, the the surf is kind of an afterthought. But yep. um, I usually get my way when yeah. it comes to like. But we can have all that and waves. Yeah, you know? and like... we're trying to balance that with the family is really important to me, and, and yeah. we're getting there. So um, yeah, I went to the Maldives this year. It was it was uh, it was cool. Um, as per usual, I'm always trying to go. You know, granted, I don't have the luxury of like planning trips like strike mission style you know like right. seeing the swell and going be yeah nice I bet we that all wish we nice. could do that yeah. only some people get to do you that book <laughs> it eight months in advance and hope for yeah you know, you're looking like regionally like yeah. what your what your odds are and so that time of year it looked good and um i saw some you know, there was swell it wasn't gonna be flat but yeah um, it wasn't like bonkers yeah it wasn't it wasn't like a crazy pumping swell. And then as we got closer to it, I was like, you know, packing boards for the trip. And then I was like, oh man, the weather, like I was just looking at like this, the storm system, this low uh, in the Indian ocean and the way it was tracking. And uh, basically it looked like the weather was going to be kind of funky. So not yeah. like stormy wise, but yeah. just winds, just, like bad winds. Right. And, and um, those Northern atolls there, that there's really only one wind direction that they really like. And so it's either that. Yeah or the bad one yeah and it was the bad one for like the first five days of the trip so it's a bummer you know you're it's like sweltering hot it's like the water the water there's so warm that it's not even really a relief to, right. to get in it um but it's beautiful you know it's beautiful country um 
you know, it's, it's heavily like tourist tourism driven, you know, and a lot of people now are familiar with the whole like the uh, the sea level rise plight that, right. the, that the nation faces. We don't know how much longer they'll be around. Yeah, and a lot of the people in the country are there's already real. plans to relocate to Sri Lanka. Dude, I've right? heard that. Um, That's so, insane. Yeah. Anyway, we, we got pretty barred by the wind. So it was, it was hard on shore. And because these are really like low lying atolls, there's, there is no wind relief, right? Like yeah, you're if, not hiding if anywhere. the swell could wrap around to the other side of an atoll yeah. and there's like a couple spots where maybe, you know, you could take a seaplane to or something yeah. like far away right. where that was an option. Uh, but in the Northern atolls, you're, you're, you're totally barred right. if that's happening. Right. And we got, exposed. we got totally barred. So yep. there was swell. It was, it was kind of painful because there was, you know, head high overhead swell every yeah. day. And it was just hacked like totally hacked and so i was just looking at it like oh man that would be so fun if it wasn't blowing like 18 knots on shore right now at eight o'clock in the morning and and it was and finally uh the second to last day there it it didn't really rain but you could kind of see it it just sort of slacked a little bit and got kind of side shore and it cleaned up and i went for a long surf and i was like oh okay maybe like tomorrow and then sure enough the next day it just went like completely glass oh wow like the so wind had, yeah it wasn't even like offshore it was just like it just kind of glass and, and i surfed i think i surfed like seven hours just, a day yeah sea life stings and like i don't i'm not do well in the tropics like i'm yeah. you know i'm, I'm everything wants to like burn me sting <laughs> burn me sting, yeah. yeah cut me like rash me like i'm just this like i'm like a giant rash when i go to the tropics you know so uh yeah i like i love surfing in a wetsuit yeah uh, but totally. yeah you just you kind of fight through the pain and, it, and yeah. it's awesome just yeah and the maldives are, are great ways it's um it's pretty tame as far as like a tropical surf destination goes even in season you know it's like there's some barreling waves, but it's not like it's not like Fiji or yeah, like fully. yeah, you're not gonna get like just super cut up, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. not yeah, it's not. You don't have to be super calculated. It's just kind of fun. It's like yeah. going for a surf at your local, but yeah, it's yeah. it's really oh, good. It's rad, and, man. and uh, it's crowded though. So yeah, yeah. really, would yeah. you go back? Um, I don't know if it'd be the top of my list. Like yeah. I, I definitely would like to. It's it's expensive to get there. Right. It's, it's 24 hours of plane travel. Yep. I mean, that's like the most grueling part. For sure, I and yeah. yeah. If the opportunity <laughs> fell in my lap, sure. But there's you know other, other spots. I like cold. I want to go cold places. Like yeah. I, I want to go cold, and my wife doesn't really want to do that. But you know, cold <laughs> cold speaks to me. So yeah, bring on like the six mil and the lobster claw gloves and stuff yeah, like that. Nobody yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if I had if I had the choice, that's what I'd be doing. Yeah, Iceland. So, I've heard, yeah, heard good things about Iceland. Um, so, kind of. On top of all of this, like being in the water, you, part of you, I mean, your profession day to day is you're working like in the sustainable seafood world, if that's the right way to say it, with yeah. the group called Fishwise. And so, talk about that, like what you do day to day, and what the sort of the mission of Fishwise is. So, yeah, Fishwise is a, a nonprofit that is uh, focused on uh, seafood sustainability. Um, and the, the primary way they achieve that is as a consultancy. Mm. So, um, you know, been around since about 2004. They're started by two graduate students at UCSC. Oh, cool. Uh, and we've really evolved from where that started. But at the outset, what they sought to do is they, they went into a couple of the local New Leaf stores and they noticed that, um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of information available about what the seafood was in the case. Okay? You just had like, yeah. Uh, Lincoln and then a price. And so they sought to use the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch rating system, which yep. was pretty new at that stage. 
uh, and then apply those labels in the case, like the color rating, and then a, a little bit more information. So yeah. not just Lincod, but like Lincod that was caught via hook and line yeah. in California, right? And then you know it had its corresponding you know color rating, right? The sustainability yeah, rating. So right. it empowered the consumer yeah, cool. to make a more informed choice mm-hmm. about what they were buying. Mm-hmm. And then so from there, the organization grew, and and where we work now really is predominantly with larger uh, retail grocery. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Albert. Company has been a project that I've worked on for a long time. So that's all Albertsons, Safeways, Lawns, like all those stores, wow. thousands of stores. Uh, and it, it's really the easiest way to describe what I do is uh, corporate sustainable, uh, like responsibility, like yeah. um, CSR type stuff as it pertains to seafood. Got it. So now there's all, you know, media exposés, not just around sustainability of the fish and, you know, stocks and, and you know, bycatch and the way um, that seafood is harvested or, or produced globally. But, you know, there's all these other issues about, you know, seafood fraud and mislabeling. Yeah. So the traceability of seafood. So knowing like yeah. exactly what you're eating and where it comes from. And then also social responsibilities around yeah. that. So like labor issues, um, slavery in seafood, right. um, which is huge. And in you know, the last couple of years, there's been a lot more media focus on that. So really what what we do is help companies navigate that whole world because right. it's it's almost yeah. 2020 like you have to be as a large you know corporate entity dealing with seafood like you you should proactively be doing something to you know mitigate those issues or yeah. or improve things right and it also you know communicate that to your consumer we sort of fit in the middle of all that in helping companies navigate that so you know things like creating a sustainable seafood sourcing policy and how right. you communicate such a complex nuanced thing to the consumer, you know, how you communicate to your consumer that you care about labor issues. Yeah. Right. Right. That's tough. And tough you to know, do. we also do a lot of convening, you know, globally with different stakeholders in the seafood industry mm-hmm. and NGOs working on human rights issues and, you wow. know, sort of really trying to, to bring everyone to the table that needs to be there to talk about those issues right. to, to create some change. Right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've been doing that for a long time and, um, you know, my personal interests lie more on like the like local source seafood thing yeah. and, uh, you know, getting people excited about seafood. I'm excited about seafood. Yeah. Like, I, I like at a base level, like I like to go harvest something out yeah. of the ocean yeah. and then cook it and eat it and do that with other people. And we enjoy it. Yeah. And we're so privileged to live, you know, as coastal Californians. It's almost like we're in this bubble where, Josh, you could go like shoot a rad fish and we could eat it for dinner and yeah. I could bring something out of my freezer. And like when we have this this cool, you know, connection over this thing, you know, that we harvested yeah. and we have this immense respect for it and we make it in a cool way and we eat it and everyone's happy. And then you go inland, you go like Midwest. Right. It's like it's, just, it's like a Van de Camp's fish stick in a freezer, boy. right? You know, maybe that's like oversimplifying it a little bit, but, but yeah. Um, but bringing a little bit of that knowledge, like- Yeah, some awareness. Uh, and you know, like from my experiences in the in the corporate realm, like doing that, you know, in, in corporate boardrooms and stuff and communicating that importance, like people get that it's an issue, but it's not necessarily like as near and dear to them as it is to us. Maybe, yeah, right? so, yeah, yeah. And I bet part of the challenge you guys have is tying it back to like the economics of it all. That's, that's what gets people's attention. Yeah. Unless if you're like us, where it's just important because you live here, you're part of it. But if you're 50 miles inland, let alone 500 miles inland, it's a different world. You got to tie it, put a dollar sign on it. Yeah, it, you know, uh, return on investment. I mean, that's yeah. always something that even in in my professional life, when I've been having to 
you know, like, for example, like talking to a company that's interested in maybe like, hey, we need to do something about this whole sustainable seafood thing, yeah. right? You know, like where before seafood was just another commodity, you know, it's it's typically something like, in a, when yeah. you're talking a retail grocery setting, it's like revenue rise, it's like 2% right. of the whole it's store, like, you know? It's not, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not insignificant, it's like expensive and labor intensive and, you know, high shrink and, and all that yeah. stuff from an econ perspective, but like the return on investment and like, really having to dig into what you're sourcing, where it comes from, right. you know, and how to commute and then how to educate the people that you have working behind the counter. Right. That's tough. It's a lot of effort. Super tough, super tough. And so, um, yeah, having to make that case, right. And to, to people that, you know, yeah. this is worthwhile. It's not going to necessarily be cheaper, you know, but you're, you have to treat seafood like this special entity which it is it's not just another widget yeah. that you buy you know totally. you buy low and sell high like yeah. it's just right. there's more to it than yeah that. it's not a field of cows that you can just keep making baby cow i mean yeah there's, farming there's issues there too but, but yeah, yeah it's 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 so complex and that's why you know organizations like fishwise yeah. uh, fishwise and you know, sustainable fisheries partnership um you know monterey bay aquarium seafood yeah. watch program i've worked with you know, closely for a long time and yep. um everyone's trying to to help companies do the right thing and yeah. you know there's a lot of there's a lot of um impetus for companies to do the right thing and a lot of pressure like market pressure and it's frankly a lot of it's competitive right it's like what's yeah. you know what's the other business that's in my sector you know and, and, you know they're yeah, well, they what do. are they trying to do right, right. so right um yeah it's it's been it's been a it's been a fun you know journey there you know yeah. i used to work with prior to that i was uh working in aquaculture like from yeah. abalone's well, up the coast here yeah, and so going sweet. from like the the production side yeah. of things to like the you know consulting side of things was a was an interesting uh dichotomy and you know sometimes i wish i was outside again every day to be honest <laughs> like I, I don't know if i'm necessarily the, the best guy cut out for office work Dude, but, I know. Um, I know. <laughs> but yeah it's it's been great uh you know check them out it's yeah that's fishwise.org yeah sweet. Um, a lot of stuff happening uh you know domestic but also on a global scale yeah. What's your sense of like the trend of the corporations you work with in terms of their their willingness to invest in not only just sustainable seafood, but like you said, the education of their employees, of the public, of their customers? Is it? It, it totally varies. Um, the education piece is hard, right? Especially you have a lot of high turnover um, seafood yeah. meat departments and right. people get bounced around and stuff. So that's one thing I, I will say that. Um, over the years, the at first, I mean, when I started working there back in like 2012, it was all still pretty fresh. The whole concept of, of yeah. uh, corporate, you know, uh, sustainable seafood, uh, and now it's it's just it's almost like a norm. Like it's right. it's talked about more. There's still a lot of apprehension to invest in it. You know, the biggest issue uh, it, with the whole like if you want to call it like a movement, like the biggest roadblock is um, data yeah. is one of the biggest issues. You know. A lot of seafood companies are still stuck in like paper invoices, oh, you know, stuff's just in a box and it's yeah. not, you know, there's a lot number and all like the food safety stuff is there in line. But like when it comes down to brass tacks, like if you want to trace that back yeah. to the vessel or you it's want like, to actually know exactly yeah. what species that is, I mean, depending on what yeah. type of seafood you're talking about, it's not 
right. it's not, not there. there. It's just not there. Yeah. And, and you know, you or you even ask a company like, hey, you sold like five million pounds of all you know sixty different species of seafood last year. Yeah. Like, where did this what all come yeah. from? What was it? Where did it come from? And like people, you know, beyond a couple yeah. data elements, like right. a couple things, like it's just not there. Yeah. You know, it was cod. You're like, well, you know, yeah, or everything's just cod. You're like, well, what does that mean? Yeah, or you know, country of origin <laughs> labeling is like a big one yeah. too, where right. that label when you see product of whatever, you know, product of every country yeah. in the case, that doesn't mean that it was caught there. That means it was either, it right. was landed there or it was processed there. So, yeah. and you got Where stuff like from? people, you know, people catching fish in Alaska in industrial fisheries, which are great, you know, fisheries management. But then you look at like the other piece of like carbon footprint and the stuff gets shipped back to China to right. be processed. And then back to the US again to be distributed, you know, and repackaged maybe three, four times before it hits the Gnarly. end consumer. And like, that's a bummer. You know? <laughs> it's a bummer to, to put it lightly, you know, it's like, that's, <laughs> yeah. it, it's tough. It's, it's tough and it, it's yeah. an uphill battle, but at least it's something that people are more aware of now. Yeah. And, and yeah. ultimately what it comes down to as a, cons- a consumer is people asking informed questions, voting with your wallet, yep. you know, here locally in town, you know, we're fortunate to have, you You either know people who catch fish locally yeah. like us, you know, and usually want to share, or you know, you've got like Hans and yeah. H&H, you right. know, great service there, or, you know, Charlie at Ocean to Table or, or yeah. Alan at Real Good Fish. Like the, they're like, there are so many alternatives here um, where you can buy seafood and yeah. feel good about it and know where it came from and you're supporting local economy totally. and local fishermen. We have so many epic like local yeah. small boat commercial yeah. fishermen here, guys that are so knowledgeable and it's really cool to have that sort of yeah. micro economy. Yeah. I think most people will, if they could choose where they put their money to buy fish, they would choose to support the local caught, local sustainable thing. It's just hard. We're such an emotive convenience. You know, so if you go to Safeway because you just pop it in or Newly, it's like, you're like, well, I could go to, you know, Hans or, or like even on the wharf or somewhere, but that's out of my way. So I'm just going to buy the convenience sure. stuff. That's why I think like I like the real good fish model, which we subscribe to, yeah. which is, you know, it's sourced locally. It tells you who caught it, when, and where, you yeah. know, and it's just cool. Because I go, I feel, I just feel so much better about giving 30 bucks for a pound and a half of something. Right. You know, because I know it was this guy up in Fort Bragg who caught it two days ago and here it is. Yeah. Know, versus like, I don't know where that 30 bucks, I bought it at New Leaf, and I'm sure their stuff's good, but it's just nice to know it's local. Yeah, you know, New Leaf too. Um, I, I've done a lot of work with them, and they they really do a lot of put a lot of yeah. effort into yeah. adhering to their sourcing policy too. And um, you know, local fit like you know, I know Ocean Table's got a lot of local product going into those stores now, so it's cool. That you can go to like a New Leaf, and you can get uh, you know product that was caught by a guy on his skiff yeah. like I had, you know, and that has a commercial license and maybe he like, maybe he fishes halibut, yeah. you know, a few months out of the year, you know, put a little extra you know money in and right. maybe he just really likes to fish and that's, yeah. he's just the guy with the commercial license. Right. And, you know, then yeah. there's guys like that too yeah. around here and that's really cool to be able to support that too. Yeah. And that whole CSF model too, right? Like yeah. we live in such a rich agricultural area with like CSA boxes and small farms bringing that and doing it with the seafood is just, it's, yeah. it's Makes awesome. Sense. You know, and we yeah. have such a, epic variety of seafood here locally too like that's the other thing we're yeah. so lucky that's to true. have like yeah. every kind you know yeah so yeah. it's awesome yeah you're right you're totally right so within the next couple of weeks you got a new boy coming this will be numero dos yep you got a two-year-old now you got another one on the way and dude family's growing man how are you feeling about that yeah uh, good you know cautiously optimistic <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> One day at a time. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, uh, it sort of just happens, right? You know, we got like, one, and then all of a sudden there's another one coming. <laughs> my son Tyler's, he's awesome. Like, I, you know, I, I never really, uh, you know, growing up was like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, have kids at this yeah. age and and do that, you know, whole thing. And I just sort of never really was on my radar. Yeah. And uh, my wife's really family oriented and awesome mom. Yeah, my son, he's like, he's super gregarious, like curious. Yeah. Um, loves fish, loves the beach. Like I literally have to stop him. He'll like run into the water and like won't totally. stop. You know, oh, like, he'd drown. Like, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've got him. I've got him out on the. You know, put him on the front of the longboard yeah. and like, catch little waves and like Sweet. prone around and. Dude. Um, he's just fired up the whole time. Yeah. Frothing Mount, already. I love mountain bikes and he's like already. You know, he's got his little Strider bike in the pump track no and. Um, you know, put him on the front of my mountain bike and we cruise around. Oh, and dude, he's that's rad. He's awesome. Yeah, skateboards like er- everything, like all the good stuff. Cool. And he's uh, he's such a sweet kid I mean he just hit two so you know it's not great all the time but um yeah so really looking forward you know hopefully the next one is um pretty similar but it's going to be full on for a while and you know my priorities definitely have uh, have shifted like (laughs) uh, say that with a lump in my throat Um, and yeah it's been a good like maturation for me personally I think like just yeah. like learning to reprioritize like the, yeah. the family and then like, but also being able to share that with my kids, right? Like, you know, I said earlier, like my parents were really supportive of my interests growing up, but I was an only child, you know, I didn't, I didn't yeah. really have a lot of ocean mentors when I was younger, right. but it was like, oh, you need a surf, like I got a surfboard for Christmas yeah, or whatever, you or like, what you needed, or like yeah. I'll take you to the beach and drop you off, yeah. you know, but like no one, the, you know, I was always kind of jealous of those kids who's, yeah. Who would like go surf with their dad, or, right. or like their you know dad would take them diving, or show them how to yeah. like catch the lobster, or whatever you know. And so, I I'm really looking forward to to doing that. Like not if they want to, right? Not yeah. pushing it on them, but right. but being able to like share you know what I have learned yeah, for dude, myself dude. over the time over time. Yeah, man, I'm a fan of that. It's yeah. fun. It is super fun. It's yeah. very rewarding to see. There's times when you get frustrated. At least me when it's like this perfect day you're like oh they're gonna love this and they don't you're just like oh but then there's days when it does click and you see just like the raw like i love you can see it in their face they might not tell you i love being out here thank you they're not gonna say that but you could see it and that's a special thing when anybody finds anything they really love and especially if you're like your kid in the water you're just like it's rad. You, know? you can just hope that that happens. I've That's noticed like, even just in the past couple of years that that sort of thing happens when you least expect it. Yeah. So, you know, like you're saying, you know, in a perfect day and it's, you know, it's hitting all your, yeah. all right. your neurons that, uh, that fire, you know, totally. and, and, and making it like what is just so awesome for you. It may not be the same for them, yeah, but it man. could be something so trivial, like just like flopping onto yeah. a board, like in the tide pool as you come in from surfing and they're just like giggling and having fun. And that's exactly, awesome. Dude. You know, yeah. you can't, you can't, there's no substitute. Yeah. For that. Yeah. But I'm also trying to be cognizant of like not giving it all away too early too, yeah. you know, like, and having them be jaded because I've seen that happen yeah. before yep. too. And you know, like I, I didn't have a little boat growing up and I didn't like get to, you know, fish twice a week and I didn't yeah. have someone to to show me like here's yeah. how you do all these things and i want to make sure that they got to earn it a little bit too yeah you know? like, so. i i agree like i'm and look my philosophy is my philosophy that's probably tweaked but there's like this element of that you need the gear because especially where it's cold you know yeah. you don't get wetsuits every six months or new boards every time but you you need what you need the gear to ha- go out there and have fun but learn it on your own 
you know, like learn how to, you don't walk down the stairs with your leash on your ankle. I'll tell you, but I'm not going to tell you like twice. Right. You know, or, yeah. or those little things, like there's still this element that people need to learn. Yeah. You know, and you got to watch them fill and be like, oh, yeah, like, I told dude, you. Don't yeah. sit there. Look, there's a wave coming, huh? I told you, know, or whatever. Like there's right. still like, you got to let people learn their own way in the water, you know, yeah. which is sometimes it's hard. But now I'm like, I laugh. I'm like, dude, I told you, you just got beat. Like, you know, yeah, <laughs> I, just, teenager, I think so. back to like all those times I had as a kid. Oh, yeah. Too, just, just like sitting in the lungs. wrong spot or getting yelled at by some dude That's or like you learn you know feeling like you're gonna drown like it's just all part of the deal right <laughs> yeah man that's so. it that's it well scott I, I wish you the best of luck man again a cool chap i'm a huge fan of like big thing like these these lines in your life you could see like your boats you know there and now you're having another kid and it's just neat to reflect yeah on that, you know so th- thanks for spending time and sharing you're pretty insanely rad ocean life with us, dude. I've, it's rad to hear it. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. It. Yeah. Awesome, man. Thanks. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening uh, to another podcast episode. Can't do it without you. And uh, so thrilled to have you here supporting uh, myself and the podcast and all the guests uh, continually. Always appreciate a positive um, rating on your, uh, your podcast app, whether it be you know Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, just helps helps grow the podcast and uh, spread awareness. So thanks for that. And then any uh, social media mentions, always super appreciative. And uh, if you know somebody who you think would be great to have on the podcast to share the, about their ocean life, please hit me up. I'd love to chat with them. Or if you think you'd like to, let me know. Uh, email is josh at thisoceanlife.tv. All right. Thanks, guys.